So, hey, instead of doing, like, a full, like, intro on myself, I'm just going to start by telling you guys a story, cool? Okay, so, in the summer of 2015, the summer right before I came to Central Washington, my name's Brandon Davis, by the way. I'm on staff. I should tell you that. My name's Brandon. Hi. Hey, the, the, the summer before I came to Central in 2015, I volunteered at a guest ranch called J.H. Ranch. It's in the northern part of California in a place called Etna, California, and it was one of the most impactful summers of my life. I joined the video production team out there and just had an amazing summer. This video production team was like, no offense to like other camps, but it like wasn't like a week video production team. They were like legit. Like we had like 50 minute to like hour minute videos that were like super well edited and like shot well. We had like really professional cameras. My boss literally worked in Los Angeles. He worked on like the TV show Vampire Diaries, if you guys know that show. He did like a ton of editing for that show. He worked on a couple episodes of Game of Thrones. So he was like legit. So I was like pretty intimidated when I first showed up to start working. I like did not know much about cameras, but I was like really determined to learn. And so I showed up like every single day learning more. I remember I asked like way more questions than all the other video guys, like in our training sessions. I offered to do like a ton of extra work. So we would do like crazy things. Like we would go like river rafting and I'd have like this camera like in this crazy plastic suit thing and I would like jump off with the students and I'd GoPros and like we're doing crazy stuff. I literally went, I, I hate heights, hate heights. But I wanted to continue growing and so we had, like, a 50-foot-high ropes course. And all of our students that would go, they would, like, go with their parents and whatnot. And they were, like, uh, terrifying. Like, you're, like, holding your parent, and you're, like, walking along the side. It's so scary. But, like, for me, I wouldn't get, like, belayed. So, like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. But, like, when someone's being belayed, they have, like, this harness on them. And someone's, like, holding them down with this rope. Now, the video crew did not get that treatment. I had to do it myself. So I literally had this harness, like, around my waist, and I had two, like, what we called lobster claws. They, like, would hook on to these, like, horseshoes that were stuck in the tree, and I would have to, like, climb myself up, undo one of the hooks, clip it on here, undo the other one, climb up higher, clip it on that one. And then when I'm, like, 50 feet in the air, I would lean back and start, like, filming. <laughs> And I, like, would go back and review the footage, and it's, like, all shaky. <laughs> I'm just, like, terrified of heights. And I was, like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Like, I just wanted to show that I could do stuff. I did a lot of extra things. I took every opportunity to grow more and more. And as the summer was coming to a close, there was an opportunity for a Mount Shasta summit. And only one video crew member would go on this summit. I did not think that I would be asked to do it. But as the weeks went by and I continued to grow and I continued to serve, my boss comes up to me asks, and asks me if I'd be willing to summit a mountain and film it. I was very hesitant at first. If I don't summit, straight up, the, stu like the students don't get a video. So it's like, if I literally don't summit, straight up, like the video could just cut off like halfway. Made it to base camp. Video guy couldn't make it. <laughs> Video's done. So I was, like, telling my boss, like, my hesitation, but he goes, dude, listen, like, you showed me that you're capable enough to do this. So I was like, okay, decided I was going to do it. And this was literally the hardest thing I have ever done in my entire life. It took us two days, and on the first day, we kind of started, like, way, way, way at the bottom, and we, like, climbed about, like, four hours until we got to a place called Base Camp. We actually got a photo. I don't know if 
we can show it. But, like, I don't know if it's hard to see, but, like, this is, like, this is only, like, three hours, okay, or, like, three or four hours of climbing, and, like, we're already so high up. But we got to base camp, and then at, like, 6 p.m. we went to bed, and then we woke up at midnight to start summiting the mountain. We started climbing at, like, 1 a.m., and by 9 a.m., we finally made it to the top. And I've got a photo of me at the top. So this is, like, how insanely high up we were. It was insane. There's another photo of me there. But it was, it was the hardest and most challenging thing I've ever done in my entire life. And I remember, like, once I got up to the top, like, everybody's, like, cheering and stuff. I'm like, get the video. <laughs> like, trying to get all the shots possible. I'm like, get the flag. Get the American flag. You know, like, I'm just, I'm going, like, crazy. And I'm like, there's, like, I get to the top, and I'm like, yes, I did it. And then one of the guides goes, all right, people, seven more hours to go. I'm like, no. I was like, if I had all the money in my bank account, I would drop it on just a helicopter that could, like, fly up, pick me up. I'd just, like, sit in it, peace. <laughs> like, just, like, fly me down because I did not want to spend, like, another six hours climbing down. But I did. By 4 p.m., we'd made it all the way down, got back to base camp, and, like, grab all of our stuff, put it, like, on our backs, and we start climbing down. And I remember I had such a bad attitude. I was like, Lord, if, a- if the angel Gabriel showed up right now and was like, Brandon, you have to summit the mountain again, and you will be in heaven. I'd be like, bro, no. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, I'm taking my chances with Jesus. I can't do that, man. I, was, I had such a bad attitude. But I made it. Praise God. And literally by the time we got back, we had, had dinner. We had dropped all the students off. I went to bed at midnight. It was a 24-hour day. It was insane. But I got to show the video a week later to all of the students, and they were so hype. They were so excited, and they were, like, super blessed by the video. So do you guys remember winter camp a couple weeks ago? Heck yeah. You guys remember how Stefa taught us how, like, the Bible mentors us? We learned about, like, people in the Bible can mentor us. It was so cool. It was so powerful. Well, like, this idea of people in the Bible mentoring me is, like, still continuing, and I'm, like, learning more and more about this and, like, just being really overwhelmed by, like, how cool this is. I'm currently being mentored by, like, Solomon and First Kings. This is, like, such a cool concept I'd never thought about until winter camp. And as I was writing my message this week, it was just, like, so prominent, like, God wants to mentor us through Abraham tonight. And so, yeah, tonight I believe God wants to speak to us all through his responsible servant, Abraham. And I'm going to pray. Lord, I pray that you would... Just use me tonight. I pray that you would speak to everyone here. Pray that we would just really like hear what you have to say today. And God, that you'd speak through your word to us. And yeah, God, that your presence would just be felt here tonight. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You guys remember learning about Abraham last week from Mare? She did an awesome job. Yeah, Abraham leaves his home and his comfort behind to follow God to a land unknown. God tells Abraham that he's going to be blessed to be a blessing. Genesis 12, 2 through 3 reads, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Did you guys know Abraham is mentioned 235 times in the Bible? He's kind of a big deal. We see Abraham's relationship with God, like, right away. It's just so awesome and really spectacular. We see that God, later in the Bible, actually identifies himself with Abraham. Exodus 3, 6 reads, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
And then in Isaiah 41.8, it reads, But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend. God then calls Abraham his friend. And then in Romans 4.17, it gets a little crazy. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. So Abraham is literally the father of our faith. He's clearly an important figure in the Bible. Makes sense? He's mentioned 235 times. But what is it that made Abraham so significant throughout the Bible? Tonight, we're going to look at a story from Abraham's life that I believe explains how God could use him to impact an entire faith. So turn with me to Genesis 18, and we are going to read verses 1 through 8. Genesis 18, 1 through 8. start in verse 1. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way. Now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seeds of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. And then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to his servant, who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. What a cool scene. We see three men appear before Abraham. We later find out it's God and two angels. Imagine God shows up to your dorm room with two angels. A little surprising. Abraham invites them to rest under this great tree, to wash their feet, eat a meal. This is an awesome image of Eastern hospitality. And this hospitality is still very common. Our Jordan team last year, they were like touring some World Cup stadiums. And Mike told me that they met some guy like who was looking at the same stadium and he just straight up invited them to come back and have dinner with them. And then also all the guys literally got invited to go to a bachelor party. <laughs> like Alex and Joe said he just attended this guy's bachelor party in Amman, Jordan. <laughs> what the heck? That's so cool. Now, okay, Abraham doesn't necessarily invite God and his angels to a bachelor party, but he does show some incredible hospitality. The NIV study Bible shows us multiple ways that Abraham exemplified great hospitality. The first is that Abraham gives prompt attention to his guests. The next is he bowed low to the ground in respect. He politely addressed one of his guests as my Lord, probably God, and called himself your servant. This is how you would address a superior. He acted as if it would literally be a favor to him if they allowed him to serve them. He asked that water would be brought to wash their feet. He prepares this lavish meal for them. And then he stands nearby, assuming the posture of a servant, to meet every wish. You guys remember what God spoke back to Abraham back in uh, chapter 12. He said Abraham was going to be blessed so that he can bless others. Do you remember what Meredith taught us last week about being blessed? Being blessed does not necessarily mean we get a perfect life for all this wealth and riches, all the things that we think we need in life. But, however, in some cases of the Bible, wealth and possessions are actually a part of the blessing from God. 
And Abraham experiences one of these blessings. From Genesis 12 all the way up to Genesis 18, the size of Abraham's crew starts growing. He gathers plenty of sheep and cattle. We see that he gets like 312 like trained men for battle. This is like the only time in the Bible that it mentions like trained men for battle. He gathers a tons, of, tons of servants to help him and Sarah with like daily life. And then we see God show up and give Abraham an opportunity to be responsible with what God had just given him. I wonder if God is asking himself, how is Abraham going to respond to our coming? And I like to think of this interaction as a test from God. Can God trust Abraham with more? Can Abraham be responsible with what God has given him? Abraham was extremely responsible, and God entrusts him with more. So turn with me to Genesis 18, verses 16 through 33. should just be right there. Genesis 18, 16 through 33. When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him, so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, and their sin so grievous, that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? The Lord said, If I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again, now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the people of the righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five people? If I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again, he spoke to him, what if only 40 are found there? He said, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Abraham said, now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? He said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left and Abraham returned home. So look at this opportunity that Abraham now gets from the Lord. Abraham is now given an opportunity to actually pray on behalf of an entire city. He has this, like, conversation with God, this dialect with God about the pending destruction of Sodom. And I love how the Lord, like, intros this conversation. Will I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham communicates with God about this pending destruction. And I could literally talk probably easily for another 30 minutes on this passage because it's chock full of so much. But what I want you guys to see from this passage is that because of Abraham's responsibility with something small, God multiplied that responsibility to an impact an entire city. 
And I think God wants to multiply our responsibility to impact an entire campus. You guys remember how my boss gave me the opportunity to climb Mount Shasta? My boss saw that I was responsible with the small things, and he gave me an opportunity to summit Mount Shasta and film it. And from that, my students were super blessed with the finished video. And it brought me so much joy to be responsible to see what God had for me. Guys, how are you showing God that you're responsible enough to do the good works that he has for you? What plans does God have on this campus? How are we limiting what God wants to do through us? What does being responsible look like? Well, are you going to class every day? Are you turning in your homework on time? Are you reading your Bible every single day? We see from Jesus, he continues this theme of responsibility in Matthew 25. So turn with me to Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. parable of the bags of gold. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yeah, I see from this parable God's desire for his people to faithfully use what they've been given. Now, this isn't like a go earn your salvation parable from Jesus or like go do more works from Jesus and you'll be accepted. Jesus literally doesn't care at all how you earn your salvation because you can't earn it. It's by the grace of God alone through the blood of Jesus Christ that we're saved. But God does care what we do with our salvation. Abraham represents the first two servants. He was responsible with what God had given him. And then God multiplies his responsibility to eventually impact our entire faith. 
Which servant are you? Are you allowing God to multiply blessings through you? Or are you just burying what God has given you? Using what God has given us to bless others can look like a lot of things here at Central. If you have a ton of money on your connection card, maybe you should just bless someone with a meal. Pray God leads you to someone who could use a meal. Maybe you could even use that time to talk to them about Jesus. Do you live in a res hall? How are you making life easier or harder on your RA? What's your relationship look like with your professors? Is it good? Do they see you're a responsible student? One of my favorite stories from college was how I was absolutely not a blessing to one of my RAs. One Saturday, I woke up at 6.30 a.m. to my smoke detector beeping once a minute. Beep! Beep! And I'm like, really? (laughs) 6.30 on my Saturday? So I, like, pull out of bed. It's still beeping. I, like, call my dad. I'm like, Dad, smoke detector's beeping. What the heck am I supposed to do? He's like, okay, pull the batteries out. I'm like, okay. I suck with my hands. Mayor told you last week I'm not good with, like, power tools. I'm terrible with my hands. So I, like, grab a chair. I, like, stand up. It's, like, 6.45 in the morning. I'm, like, messing with this smoke detector. And I, and I just, like, rip it off the wall. <laughs> and I'm like, I just chuck it on the sofa, and I, like, go to the shower. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm not going to deal with this. Like, I don't, I don't know how to take the batteries out. And I literally just go, like, on my day. Literally come home that night at, like, 11 p.m., and that smoke detector is still on the sofa. Beep. Beep. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm not having this. I grab the smoke detector. I grab my keys. I literally walk out of Stevens Whitney, walk three door- stories down, walk across the, like, main hallway, open up the, like, what's it called, our, like, lounge area, chuck my smoke detector in the lounge, close the door, go to bed. <laughs> not dealing with it. Totally forgot about it. <laughs> Sunday rolls around, did all my thing on Sunday, totally spaced. Until Monday, when I was sitting with my RA, Maggie Creenan. <laughs> I'm like, Maggie, oh my gosh, did you find a smoke detector in the lounge? She's like, that was you? <laughs> yeah, that was me. She just loses it. She like, starts like, I've never seen Maggie laugh harder in my entire life. She is streaming tears, like, laughing so hard. She's like, you realize I have to report you, right? Like, you're screwed. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Literally... I'm like, yeah, do, do what you got to do. I understand. You're an RA. So she literally reports me. The guy contacts me, sends me an email. Hey, you need to come to my office. I'm like, yeah, okay. Come in his office. I sit down. He's like, dude, what were you thinking? I'm like, bro, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. He's like, you're a video production student? I'm like, yeah. He's like, tell you what, why don't you make Central a video about why smoke detectors are important? <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. That sounds real fun, man. <laughs> so I did it. I wish I could show you. Maybe come find me sometime and I'll show you. It's a funny video, but. I literally made Central a video about smoke detectors and why they're important. I don't know if they ever use them on their website, but I learned the hard way about being irresponsible instead of being responsible. So as we conclude tonight, I want to echo what the Lord has for us tonight. Guys, I really think that God wants us to be responsible with what he's given us. You could maybe feel like, Brandon, well, I've got like little on my plate. I don't really like feel like I'm being responsible. Just be responsible with that. God's response to the servant with two bags was exactly the same as the servant who had five bags of gold. Well done, good and faithful servant. Abraham was absolutely not perfect, but he was responsible to God. And through his responsibility, Abraham became the father of our faith. Our God is a God who can take a student who's definitely not perfect, 
but is willing to be responsible with what is given them to impact an entire campus. So as we kind of reflect, we're going to do something a little bit different. For our reflection time, what I want you guys to do is get into groups of two or like three. And for like five minutes, I want you to brainstorm the questions that are behind me. And the first is, what has God given you? And how can you use those things to bless others? And then my second question is, where does God want you to take more responsibility in your life? So after you write those down, get into groups of two. And then what we're going to do is we're just going to brainstorm for like five minutes and the worship team will come up and we'll go into worship.